Welcome to Nurture Small Business, creating a thriving space with your host, Denise Kagan. Denise is the president of DCA Virtual Business Support and has been a business owner for almost 20 years. DCA Virtual Business Support provides small businesses with an expert pairing of virtual administrative and marketing assistance to match your needs. Learn more at dcavirtual.com. Hello, and thank you for joining us today. Uh, Today, we'll be talking about disinfecting and cleaning of your business. Now, much confusion has surrounded these topics because of all the new regulations and guidelines from the different agencies. You're seeing things thrown around from the CDC, OSHA, as well as your local public health authorities. And the subject stems from simple everyday tasks that we all do at home that cannot be done the same way at work, the workplace. Now, there are laws and regulations at the workplace that are designed to protect both your employees and your customers while disinfecting and cleaning. So today we'll be discussing some of those requirements to keep everybody safe. And again, I'm welcoming back Darcy Cook, owner of Safety Trainers. Darcy, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks, Denise, for having us back. We've really enjoyed doing this podcast series, and I hope everyone who's listening again today, you've um, found some real value in what we've been able to deliver. So let's start off by defining the difference between cleaning and disinfecting. Okay, so this is one that I feel like I've been kind of repeating over and over again a lot to our clients. So cleaning is about washing away some of the germs, while disinfecting is about killing germs. And while cleaning is important and has value, you know, like you sweep up the dirt and we're picking up paper off the floor and it will take away some of the germs, during a pandemic, it's just not enough. So we have to talk about today about what does disinfecting our um, businesses uh, look like in order to keep everyone safe. So when you talk about this, you know, it sounds like employers might be having their team do this who were not originally designed to do disinfecting, but it sounds like we also have an option as a business owner to hire outside of the company. And can you talk a little bit about that and how that differs? Yeah. So first of all, um, I'm sure that those of you listening, you weren't hired to clean the bathroom. You weren't hired to wash and clean and disinfect, you know, your workspace, your station, although you probably had to keep it neat and tidy. Um, So this is a whole new arena for everyone involved. You might have some people, um, a third party hired or a group within your plant facilities who were doing overall basic cleaning for your company. But now that's not enough. People who are sharing items have to disinfect between them. And it might be easier for you just to have everyone across the company engaged disinfecting and cleaning their workstations. So let's kind of talk about the difference between the two. Before I talk to you about hiring the third party, which if it's affordable, many of you probably will want to do. But of course, we got to hire someone who's credible and, you know, conscientious about the work that they're doing. So you, you know that you're actually keeping employees and customers safe. But let's start with what you have to do so you can see the kind of big picture. Let me bullet point down a list for you. Starting off with what are we cleaning? You actually need to create a list of what's going to be clean. Now, the obvious stuff, right, is the break room and bathrooms and maybe your lobby area, but we've got to take it so much farther than that. We have to spell out that we want soap dispensers and and door handles and faucets and uh, doors to stalls and how we want the urinals and the floors and we, you know, 
everything that we're common touching, a countertop that I put my hand on to turn the corner that just seems like the counter that everyone leans on all the time is a common contact surface where you probably didn't clean it every day. I mean, maybe you got once a week, but now you have to think about how many people are putting their hand down in that spot and what we need to do to clean it. So you need to have a list. Number two, you have to document your cleaning schedule every day and what you're actually cleaning. And all you're like, whoa, yeah, we've none of us have ever had to do that before. But states and your DPHs, they want to know that you're serious about your cleaning and disinfecting. And have you really thought through all the high risk areas and how we actually doing them and taking care of them. They're going to also expect you to look and update that list as you go. So you have to record and record keep that. The other thing that you guys need to do is choose the right chemical. Not all, all chemicals will kill COVID-19. So you got to go to EPA's website. You got to look up those chemicals. Now, not every chemical is listed there. So start with those. And if you can't find them, then call the manufacturer of the products that you do have and get in writing through an email that those products can actually kill COVID-19. Because if you're challenged, you're going to need something in writing that says the manufacturer told you that these actually do what they say that they're supposed to do. Uh, safety data sheets. Um, this is a standard form for every single ke chemical in the United States. If you bring a chemical into your building, you are required to have the safety data sheet. You have to get it from the manufacturer. Not only do you have to get it, you have to actually read it. It's how you figure out um, fire measures and storage and what are the health risks to your employees and what personal protective pieces of equipment do you need to put on and what's the right way to use this chemical? What's the wrong way? What happens if you mix it with another chemical? Does it become toxic? All of that information is in your safety data sheet and someone needs to be reading those. You need Darcy, to make decisions. Can I interrupt for just a second? Where can we find those safety data sheets? Because you know they don't always naturally come with those chemicals. They don't. I mean, ideally, manufacturers should be on your first ship of receiving the chemical. They should have the safety data sheet. But in the age of technology now, you have to typically go to their website and you can download it from their websites or call the manufacturer because the labels and the bottles that you receive should have their information. Call those manufacturers and have them email it or fax it to you. Some chemicals, it's one letter or one number change in a series of numbers that makes one chemical composition different from another. So there's a possibility, like you could download Clorox bleach, but Clorox bleach lavender, Clorox bleach, bleach let lemon, Clorox bleach, they're wow. all different safety data sheets because they're slightly different in the chemical composition. So most consumers might miss that fact. All bleach is not created equal. So thank you for asking that. We want to make sure you get the right safety data sheet, you read it, and you make decisions about how to keep everyone safe in your workplace. And then you need to put the right PPE, personal protective pieces of equipment, on your employees who are doing this cleaning. So that might mean maybe your company right now, you aren't all wearing gloves. But now you're asking your entire administrative staff to start cleaning the desks, not cleaning, disinfecting with a chemical that's hazardous. Now you have to give them gloves. You have to show them how to do the cleaning. And then you have to show them how to take those off correctly so they don't contaminate themselves and dispose of them in the right way. So training is a big part here on every aspect of what we've been talking about. And if you're not familiar with OSHA's standards, <clears throat> excuse me, there are standards that apply that you need to be doing training in. 
hazardous communications, bloodborne pathogens, and personal protective equipment, just to name three. It's all of a sudden you're like, what is she talking about? You're going to need to make a phone call. You need to reach out to a trusted advisor. Um, you can reach out to us, but you can tr- you have to reach out to someone and find out what those actually mean and what you have to be doing. For those of you who are like, oh, I, we do that. I'm going to challenge you. You probably did that before COVID-19. Have you redone those trainings talking about all the changes you've made related to COVID-19? Because if you did the training back in January and February and early March, and you didn't talk about COVID-19 back then, then the training doesn't count. You got to redo it because so many things have changed in your business. Finally, as a business owner, if you're going to disinfect and you're going to be doing it with your employees, what is the SOP, Standard Operating Procedure? Literally, you got to spell out what you want me to do and how you want me to do it. And how about some trash? So I'm going to be throwing this stuff into trash. And some of us have trash receptacles at our desk and some of us don't. Like we have a universal person that pushes a cart through the building. You guys have to put some rules and regulations in related to trash. Yeah. So trash is not really something I thought about. So what a, talk a little bit more about that. Okay. Sounds good. Not a lot of people really have thought about, oh my gosh, we do need to make changes to trash. So let me kind of just give you some examples and all the light bulbs will pop on really quickly for you. So do we need to step up the number of trash cans right throughout our building? What does that look like? Because if I'm coughing and sneezing and blowing my nose, right, you want people throwing that into trash immediately and everyone having their own box of tissues. So if I'm at my desk doing office work and everyone has their own trash bucket, how about putting liners in there? Because if you're not putting liners in there, that means someone every night has to be disinfecting and cleaning those out. That's time and money and risk. So spend the money potentially on liners, have me clean my own spaces, put my own tissue, you know, whatever in my own trash can, tie that up, and then I walk it out to the door. Do you want one person walking through your building with a giant trash can with a cover off, pushing through, picking up people's trash and tissue? How about water bottles? Drinking water bottles, my mouth's been all over that, throwing everything in. Hmm, Probably need to have receptacles with covers on them. Probably don't want to be pushed through your entire building. Maybe we don't want to use our hands anymore to open trash. Maybe we want to use a foot pedal that opens up the top. So in terms of what we're doing with trash and how we're doing trash right now, things probably need to change in your building. Maybe we don't want to recycle right now. We're not taking water bottles and separating them out from other trash. Because again, are those lines, who's taking it out? What's the risk and the exposure associated with that? You have to decide using the hierarchy controls what you're willing to risk and what that exposure is. And OSHA expects you to mitigate decreased risks and decreased hazards. So please Look at how you're handling trash and make changes because more than likely what you're doing today or what you were doing back in February isn't enough. So let's go back just a little bit to when we talked about hiring an outside company to do this. Can you just kind of supplement a little bit with all these rules around trash and hazard and, and what do we need to look for? Okay, so you're probably thinking, I want to just hire someone. So if you can't afford to hire someone, again, you probably just want to hire them to do all the stuff that I just talked about. Now, you can't have a third party do 100% of your cleaning. So you are going to have to potentially implement the things that we've talked about. However, hiring the third party, everything that we just discussed, they must do with their employees. That's why you're hiring them. You expect them to have done all of this stuff so everyone stays safe and secure within your building. So let me kind of walk you again through a bullet point list of things I want you to be thinking about. First of all, you still have to direct 
those third parties. What do you want them cleaning? How often do you want them cleaning? By the way, the CDC right now and OSHA are, um, on their uh, form that they together, they're recommending that you do it every shift. Or if you and I are sharing items, we're cleaning it in between shared items, which you probably, again, can have a third party doing that. So that means you and I have to know how to do it and we'll have to put things in place. But how often, what do you want them to do? And then here's one for you, emergency disinfecting. New idea, new concept, new word. What happens if I'm in your building today and I start showing signs and symptoms of COVID-19? That's an emergency disinfecting that needs to happen. You got to shut down my workspace, section it off, put cones up, put signs up. You need to decide what is your process for isolating and managing that because I potentially have now exposed you know, others um, to COVID-19. Wow. Now, here's something else to be thinking about is if I am in your building and I can't leave the building immediately, this has enough to do with disinfecting, but I want you to think about this. Um, if I'm in your building and I can't leave immediately, do you have a sick room? Do you have an isolation room, a place to put me until I can leave the property? Even my car was being repaired today. I was dropped off. I take public transportation. Now you have to isolate me in that room. And of course, that whole room is going to have to be special disinfected, emergency disinfected as well. But it keeps me from being all over the place and having to do the whole building. But what you are going to have to look at is where did Darcy go over the last three days when I was the most contagious? And all of those common spaces or workstation benches will have to be cleaned if it is less than seven days. So if it's been less than seven days, you do you have to do disinfecting. If it's been greater than seven days, you don't have to do the disinfecting. So we've hired this third party, right? When are they gonna do it? How are they gonna be there? Are they gonna be handling the emergency disinfecting or not? Am I gonna train the team in-house? And how do I know that they're credible and how do I know that they're safe to be on my property? Go to OSHA.gov, go to the website, look up my company name, look up my name, look up any aliases I might be under and make sure that I don't have a history with OSHA of getting in trouble. Because if you bring me into your company, now you're gonna have a problem too. Next thing you want to look at and ask for, what is their COVID-19 control plan? All the stuff that we're telling you, you have to do. If you're going to hire someone, you need to hold them accountable to the same standards. Don't bring anyone in that doesn't have any written control plan. That means they're not taking any of the safety, um, safety seriously, and you will put yourself at risk as a company. Next thing is the safety data sheets. So if you're bringing in the third party, whatever chemicals they're bringing in, they need to bring their safety data sheets. You need to have them on file, and you need to know what they are. Also, how about if you say, no, company, you can't bring in your own chemicals. You have to use our chemicals. That's okay. You can do that too. There's control on that. But now you have to give the safety data sheets to that cleaning company because the owner of that cleaning company is required to keep their employees safe. So these safety data sheets must exchange no matter what. Um, next that you need to think about is, are you going to allow that third party to bring in bleach and ammonia products? Because if you read bleach and ammonia together in a cleaning environment is toxic or could potentially be toxic. So maybe your facility is ammonia only or bleach only, or maybe you haven't even thought about that and had the conversation, but you make sure you have the conversation with your third party cleaner. Next on the list will be um, copies of licenses, certifications, any kind of awards or recognitions that show that these guys are good and other people recognize it and can validate that they are legit. Um, the other thing you want to be looking at is training records. Have they done the hazardous communications training, their chemical hazards training, their bloodborne pathogens, their PPE training? If you have to do it, they need to do it too. And then last but not least is um, insurance. 
So I am not an insurance agent. That is not my wheelhouse. I encourage you to reach out to your insurance agent or carrier. But here's what I will tell you. Based on experience, people forge and lie on their insurance. They write it out and they give you expired insurance. And the last thing you want to do is hire someone who's expired insurance. Okay. Again, um, what I encourage you to do is don't take a copy of my insurance policy from me require my agent or my carrier to directly email it to you so you know that it didn't forge it or change any of the information. Absolutely. Years ago, and I know we didn't discuss this, but years ago, I owned a cleaning company and we would request it directly from the carrier to send it to the client if they asked us. So all these things are coming back and I honestly would not want to own a cleaning company during this time. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's a great thought I have a different company. A <laughs> lot of changes that have to happen. A lot of responsibility, a lot of liability associated with this now. Absolutely. Yes. So you did mention something about if someone starts showing symptoms while they're at the workplace. Can you go back over that? Um, because it sounds like it's way more than just, you know, cleaning that space. It sounds like there's more steps that need to be. Yep. They need to have a written action plan. And so we know if it's not written down, it didn't happen. Right. So Darcy gets sick in your building today. What's the written action plan, which will probably be very similar to Darcy calls you today and tells you that I've been tested positive and I was in the building for the last three days. So what is that action plan start to look like? Just remember quickly in terms of the timelines, um, I'm in the building or I was in the building, you got to go back three days to all the places that I was at. And that's what you're going to be disinfecting and cleaning. So that means you have to do a contact tracing, an incident investigation with me to quickly figure out those spaces. Um, Cause it, it would cost a lot if you just did your whole entire building. Okay. So take a look at that. And again, if I've been out of work, and it's been greater than seven days, um, you know, on furlough or laid off or whatever the case may be. And I call you and I tell you I've tested positive, but I haven't been in that building in the last seven days. You do not need to do this emergency disinfecting process, okay? In the event that you do. So number one is where are all the places that you had me and where the places all, you know, I've been over the last three days. Let's go and disinfect them. Section them off. Move your employees out of those area. Don't let anyone in. Put the warning signs up. Do not enter. And again, you have to make that decision. Um, CDC is making the recommendation that you wait 24 hours before you send either a third party or your employees into that area to clean it. Now, as a business owner, that would be infeasible, not likely to happen. I can't shut down part of my building for 24 hours to wait to do the cleaning. So if you can't do that either, you just have to step up your game. And stepping up your game is what are the specific steps you're taking to make sure that the people who are doing that emergency cleaning are protected. And one of the things you need to be thinking about is under the PPE. So right now we've probably only been talking about masks and gloves, but in this model, I'm telling you that you need to have some kind of gown, some kind of coverall, something that's going to protect this clean person cleaning against the potential exposure of COVID-19. So Darcy, you're telling me I have to add gowns into my PPE order? If you're going to have your employee is doing this, yes. If you're hiring a third party, make sure they have it, yes. Then we have to train them. How do I get this gown off? How do I get these gloves off? How do I get this mask off in the space that I've just cleaned? Get it into the trash, tie that up and get it all out of the building so we don't potentially expose or infect any other parts of our building or people 
during this entire process. So it's a really big deal. Uh, make sure that you guys aren't using cloths that have to be rewashed or laundered. Use paper towels, throw everything away. Again, we're back on the what's that model with the trash that we're going to be doing. And then any employee who we removed out of that space and was not in contact with me less than six feet for a prolonged period of time, 10 minutes, um, can go back to work after everything's cleaned. If you are falling into that category, then maybe we're having a conversation with you and we're probably sending you home to quarantine for the next 14 days. Something that people don't typically think about in cleaning is vacuuming rugs. If your company has rugs to vacuum, you definitely do not want to be vacuuming rugs where potential exposures have happened with other people in the same space. you got to clear them out. And then if we are vacuuming the rugs, how are we protecting that person? And maybe we should be doing it at the end of the day. But you probably can't wait to the end of the day, and you probably can't wait the 24 hours. So again, think about vacuuming and what does that look like? And of course, are we using HEPA filters in those vacuums? That's all really important stuff. Hang on a second. There is a spider that just jumped off my computer. <laughs> Let me trap it in there. Oh my God. Yeah, I've been watching it for like the last three minutes going, please just stay right there. All right, let me see if that'll trap it. It's in my cup. It's ridiculous. I'll have her cut this out. <laughs> she can make the magic happen. OMG. So Darcy, that you've given us a ton to think about. And before we wrap up, I know this is the fourth in the series. Can you just tell our listeners a little bit more about what you do and how you can help them? Because you have been a wealth of knowledge. Oh, thank you for that. I appreciate that. So we like what we do. Um, we're a family company. We started 20 years ago. We've been servicing mostly the New England area since 1998. Uh, we whether you are a company of two employees or your company of thousands of employees. We work with hundreds of million dollar companies and we work with brand new startups that haven't even hired their first employee, getting them ready. Because one of the things about small businesses is we want them to have us as a trusted advisor so they're not wasting time and resources and spending money that they don't have to. A quick little example of that is, is we had a um, outpatient physical therapy clinic go and buy N95 respirators at high premiums, brought all those in, and they didn't know all of the respiratory standard rules and the other additional costs and risks of having those, and that they weren't even required to have them. So you are luckily able to send those back, but having that partnership or having someone to call so that we, you know, don't waste your time, you know, you don't waste time, you don't waste money, and you're making the right decisions, reorganizing your business and so on and so forth. So we help businesses, no matter what stage of growth upsizing or downsizing you are. Safety's always changing. It's dynamic. It's never the same. What we want to do is, is we want to help you build a foundation so that you don't need us forever. But we're always here to support you. Some companies choose to use us as their third party all the time. Others call us up in emergencies or specific situations because they have someone in-house kind of managing and handling, do a little coaching and guiding. But we do training, we write policy, we write procedure, and I hope that you never call me because you need us to help mediate in an informal conference with OSHA, which is oftentimes, sometimes how we meet clients for the first time, they've gotten in trouble and now they need to kind of work with OSHA to kind of fix the situation or circumstances that they're in. And they can find you where? 
So you can reach us, of course, on our website, uh, DCA Virtual Business Solutions did a fantastic job putting it up. Uh, your team has created this awesome resource page where you guys can actually see and get additional information, find out about more webinars that we're doing. We've actually here in Massachusetts, if you're a Massachusetts listener, we've got some grant funding that just got approved. You can hire us at no cost or for 50% off if you get a hold of us because we've gotten our pandemic control plan program and workshop covered by the state of Massachusetts. So um, go to our website, safetytrainers.com. And again, think of us. We're here to protect you and your business. It has been a pleasure to have you on here for this series. Darcy, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you again for having us. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for today's Nurture Small Business, Creating a Thriving Space podcast. Learn more about your host at dcavirtual.com or by emailing her directly at denise at dcavirtual.com.